Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to Phil's Recap and Review, The Sopranos, Season 1, Episode 2, 46 Long. And with you are two guys that really wish there was a telethon for uh, fuckface-itis, but there isn't. <laughs> Phil and I with me again is uh, Big Daddy Matt. How's it going, Matt? Oh, it's good. It's good. I'm trying to figure this out. Go ahead. I'm good. I'm going to turn okay. this off right now. Yeah, Matt is navigating the streams of Google Hangouts and trying to make sure he can view the chat as well as everybody else and can tune into what you guys are saying as well. So, guys, I also have this thing right here because I tend to talk too much and we're on a time thing a little bit. I'm going to make sure that when we get into our recap, we do this no more than an hour. So this is going to be a little bit tighter of an episode recap than we're usually used to. And we're going to get into it and with these Soprano episodes. Certainly watershed episodes maybe around the season finales we'll have longer explanations and talk about the seasons as a whole but we really want to get right into these episodes because there's a lot to them and a lot of interesting stuff to talk about throughout the entire Sopranos and we don't want to we don't want to put Matt to sleep really he, he doesn't want to go to sleep yes Tim we started a bit early these things we haven't quite organized the time exactly so I'm just sort of scheduling them for uh fuck face uh, Fuck face o'clock. So this episode called 46 Long, it's really like the whole episode has a theme to me. It has a theme of the old rules and another thing of people in power losing power. And it seems like those are the two big themes throughout the episode. And even with the 46 Long, if we think about that one scene where Tony's yelling at Christopher and Brendan for what they did, he still takes a suit. He still breaks the rules. He still allows everybody in his group to partake in the in, in benefiting from what Christopher did. And I think that's a big theme of the entire episode. Everything that we start off in our opening segment before our theme, which is also something important to talk about this episode. But guys, before we get too into it, if you want to reach us, you can jump in the chat room live and say hi to us that way. You can also email me at igotissuesman at gmail.com. You can call in and talk to us if you want to do that at 781-990-8509. Tweet me at I Got Issues Man. Throw shit at me on the streets if you see me walking past. Lola, welcome, Lola. We got Lola and Tim in the chat. It's going to get nutty in here in a second. We got two of the best people in the world in the chat right now. I love you guys. And we also have our friends in the chat. And guys, just to get a scheduling thing, we're going to try to do these every single Wednesday until we get through The Sopranos. We will miss a week occasionally here and there because of busy things happen, but I will try to let you know. And we're going to try to do it between the hours of 4 and 5 o'clock, probably around 4 unless, unless Matt or I have another responsibility that we have to preempt it for some reason. But this will generally be where The Sopranos casts live. And if you're listening to the audio cast of this somewhere, please come to YouTube and check us out live. You can also check out issuesprogram.com for all this fun information. Oh, welcome Worldwide Horror. <laughs> Master Chef. Yes. Oh, someone's playing Halo right now. We're having some Halo fun going on. Okay, Matt. So what did you think of this episode? What are your kind of overall thoughts about this episode so far? It's amazing because we talked last time about how different the first episode was. And this suddenly feels exactly like the Sopranos are supposed to feel from the very first second that you turn it on. You It opens up. They're in the back of the Bing. And they're all watching uh, that interview on TV with, I forget what the guy's name is, but he's the one that's like turning against, you yeah. wrote a book, like a tell-all book. And it's... It's Puss, Chris, Sill, 
Polly and Tony just sitting around counting money. It's like perfect. It's the most Sopranos thing you could possibly have. And it's also interesting to note that in the first episode, we dealt a lot with, I mean, we still had this in this episode as well, but we dealt a lot with Tony and the women in his life, a lot of Carmela, a lot of uh, Meadow and, and Olivia and all of that. But we didn't get a lot of Tony hanging out with his buddies, the things you expect right. to see from a mafia show. We got a lot of that in this episode right off the bat. And and I've read, I was reading this a lot in some other people's speculation. I think that's probably why this is the first and only time that we get that intro before the credits. Now, what'd you think of that? What'd you think about having something before the credits? At first, I like didn't even realize it till the song started playing. I'm like, oh my God, yeah, that just happened. Because normally it's always going right into, like I said, the song that feels right after you hear the HBO sound. You like you always expect it still to kick into that song afterwards. So I thought it was cool in this place here because it really immediately sets the tone for the whole series. Like that scene of them in the back of the bing. Like that's what you picture when you think of the Sopranos, the scenes happening in that room. Or in, you know, or in Satriali, so. Uh, no, absolutely. And that, and that's such an iconic image and such an iconic part of the beginning part of The Sopranos is all of those dudes hanging yeah, out. Those to, guys, too. Those guys. And it's with before Tony was, becomes boss and right. really isolates himself. This is him in the midst of all of his people, even admitting out loud things like, what the guy saying on the television is correct about the mafia. That, that oh yes, we're, we've lost, we've lost a line of, you know, respect and understanding what the old Dons knew. Right. And that's, and this is where Tony's a hypocrite. And we start this right off the bat with where Tony is romanticized, but he's also shown very truly to be a freaking hypocrite that, that and I said it at the beginning that 46 long leads to the suit that he took and he still, what he should have done, like the old Dons would do, the mistake happened, Jackie ruled on it you give everything back to Junior. And then when they do it again, you give everything back to Junior at first. But then uh, Sill's like, come on, Tony, can't we keep these? And Tony's just like, yeah, because he's part of the problem. Tony's yeah. not, Tony might think he's the last of the, the gun heroes, you know, the last true mafia guy in the world. But really, he's one of the worst. He's one of the problems with what, what the guy's saying at the beginning. And, it, and it, it just comes all full circle in the entire series. Yeah, and you see him also, like that time, and there's another time too, but we'll talk about it later, about him. Part of it though is I think he's screwing with Junior. I don't think if that was, let's say it was Jackie's truck, okay, or something like that, that he's necessarily going to take that from him. But he's also trying to stick it to Junior at the same time. Like, do the right thing and, you know, give him a hug to his face, but then also at the same time try to screw him a little bit. He does the other thing too, which we'll talk about when he takes, when Christopher gives him the money. Like the, he's like, let me talk to him and see if I can get it down to 10. And you see him immediately take the money and put it inside of his jacket too. So. Absolutely. So it is a really awesome. And a couple of firsts that we're going to talk about this episode. Get oh our God. Yeah. Right, right there. Polly right away with this. You hear what I told him? Yeah. And he's like making fun of Christopher's. Here he we does go. that all throughout the whole series. Here, here, you know, he's we, go. Fun of here we go, Matt. You want it? Listen, I might take a fucking little of Paris. Like you were ever in Paris, Paul. I went over for a blowjob. Your mother was working the bonbon position at the Eiffel Tower. So, do you hear what I told him? I told him I went over for a blowjob. Your mother was working the bonbon concession at the Eiffel Tower. So, yeah, it's right right from the beginning. And that I was going to say that, too. It, this, this episode really is 
the the birth of pa- the birth of Polly in a lot of ways too. Yeah. Polly is Polly is Polly in this episode, and he's from the very beginning. From the very beginning, and he has some of his most iconic lines in the episode. And uh, one more I want to get into, and we'll graze over it when we get to the episode. This one. Which... Fucking Italian people. Oh yeah. What? Fucking espresso cappuccino. We invented this shit, and all these other cocksuckers are getting rich on. Yeah, is it amazing? It's not just the money. It's a pride thing. All our food, pizza, calzone, buffalo mozzarella, olive oil. These fucks had nothing. They ate pootsie before before us. But this, this is the worst. This is expressive shit. Take it easy. (laughs) Yeah, and it's just Polly's... I wrote that entire quote down. Like, the only quote I wrote from the whole show beginning to end was that. I watched it three times. I'm like, that's the most Polly thing in the world. It really is. And it, it, again, it sets it right apart that you realize that you're in a different sort of universe in the normal mafia world. You have people that are in threat of saying it in a better way, are kind of meta and can kind of look at things from a bit, from a grander perspective of the mafia in... And it's it's just really awesome. This also we also get Adriana's for the first time this episode. Big Pussy makes a Rockford Files reference, which David Chase worked on the Rockford Files. It's the only episode with a the feature the teaser pre credit se- sequence. Uh, it's directed by some, uh, some director that's first time that that works in the show, obviously, and it's some he directs a lot of the big episodes. Also, Brendan Falone, Jackie Priel Sr., Georgie, and Mikey are all. This is the first time that we see them in this episode. So here we go. Let's get. And then, so, are we still the first thing? Yeah, we, we absolutely. Yeah, we're, we're gonna get the into other thing. Is you got Sill doing his Pacino, which he does like nine times in that episode. <laughs> Worldwide Horace says Polly is the shit. I want to see Polly when he was younger. Uh, and I think if we are going to get a Sopranos property again, it will probably be some sort of flashback. And what's cool about if we ever got the Johnny age, Polly was around there too, so we would have we would see Polly. Right pretty much any age of the Sopranos, whether it's the future, whether it's the past, whether it's whether it's anything in the present, it, we will see Polly because Polly's the cockroach that survives everything. So as we said, the episode begins with Tony, Polly, Silvio, and Christopher watching the documentary on John Gotti. The host is talking about uh, the mafia stuff. We kind of already talked about the stuff. Polly changes the channel, but Tony yells at him and says, turn it the fucking back, right, back on. I want to watch this. What's interesting is they start talking into the whole thing about what's wrong with the mafia that we already kind of talked about. And Tony asks Silvio to chair him up, which is we get our first Godfather thing. And and Polly, we get Polly just being Polly right away. This guy w- was his name. The characters on the TV's name was Rizzo, a soldier in the G- Genovese family. And anyway, so what's interesting to note in this scene without getting too into it, because Christopher in Pussy get into this whole cloning thing. But Pussy quickly changes the subject here. Just to think about what comes later, I think they already had this in place. Pussy completely decides to change the subject in in this in this situation. Do you have something playing in the background, Matt? No, it's my phone. Let me just turn it off. Hold okay. On. But yeah, Pussy completely uh, completely fucks the situation up and and changes the subject to talk about cloning. Which is really interesting in the fact that what comes later with finding out that Pussy was a rat, that he's really eager to change the subject here. And we get, we get again the, 
the the primetime shit that we deal with, as Matt was saying at the beginning, with the Soprano guys going back and forth. What you expect, what you get with your normal friends. Like, we're hanging out and playing a game of poker. How we talk to each other. Uh, Silvio and Polly giving each other shit. Talking about cloning. Talking about, uh, Tony's like, I only, I told my son, you know, you can only make a life. And talking about Princess Diana being whacked. It's, it's just a really awesome scene. And to the point where it leads up to the, to the television saying that the mafia is over and they're counting their money, counting their money. And Tony kind of looks scared in this situation when they start talking about the mafia's over, everyone's going to be rats. And then he turns to Syl one more time and he says, give me the quote. Just when I try to get out, they claw me back in. So anything else you want to say about that opening scene, Matt? No, I don't know what this next thing is I wrote, so I don't think so. Okay. So then we get right... Oh, I did want to mention that I watched the preview for this episode, like what, what aired in between episode one and two, and it was it was interesting. It was like very comedy, like jazz music stuff that you get, you know, find in like an online pro, you know, like royalty-free music, and it was like, Christopher, Christopher hijacks but the wrong truck and it like underlines wrong. And then it go and then it goes, Tony talks and gets angry and it like edits it like almost like a comedy, like straight up comedy. And then it gets, and then there's Livia. Oh my goodness, Livia. Ha ha ha. This week on the Sopranos. It's, it's kind of weird how it all, how it all sets up. It's, it's almost a slight. Where is the, where is that? That's the, like from the end of the first season for the end of the first episode or, or like previews for next week on the Sopranos for this episode. Like, All right, so from like the week before, though, they'd probably like will they play what's happening next week or like then? Right, exactly. Like, like you can see on HBO Go, they have the right, right. You, you can watch like what the preview was for next week, and it was very, it was, it was weird. It was very comedy, and it didn't say anything. It like even the scene with Jackie, it like played up on the scene where Jackie was like, maybe I should name a successor. And then Junior and Tony, like, looking back at each other, oh, I'll rent you grumpy old men. Like, it, like, focused on that line, like, a, like all the comedy points. It, like, hit, but none of the other stuff. It just made it right. seem very, very silly. <laughs> Lois is the name of the head of the Indian Mafia, is Papa Don. <laughs> 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 you guys in the chat, you cracked me up. Okay, so later that night, we get the truck driving down the road. We get Christopher, Jack in the truck, truck of DVD players. And we get we get our first introduction to Brendan Falone. What do you think of Brendan, Matt? Oh, first of all, it's a it's incredible this episode how dated you see everything is. Like his outfit, it's he looks like he looks kind of like Jim Carrey and Dumb and Dumber um, through the whole thing. That's just like how he looks. He's that and he's wearing that ridiculous jumpsuit. Um, <laughs> yeah, so they beat that guy up relentlessly and brendan's but he's supposed to be like a dipshit from the beginning that you don't like he's like mikey he's one of the few I, characters that's immediately like unlikable it's so funny that you said that matt because i agree he's almost like like the sopranos does something it repeats generations and it kind of makes the generational version of each character that has the same attitudes and the same uh, idiosyncrasies as the next generation it it kind of sets them up to be you know, if you copy a copy, it's lesser. 
right. the multiplicity thing. And it's like with Brendan, Brendan is like Mikey, but he's even more of a dick than Mikey. And you have the same thing with like Jackie Jr. later on trying to do what Tony did, you know, and his partner trying to do what Tony did. And he's just a watered down version of of a couple of people. And obviously our good friend AJ is just a it's just a constant douchebag. Thank proportion. God there was like almost no AJ in this episode. That was what was amazing. It was like he had one scene with two, fat little AJ. And yeah, was two it. scenes, two scenes with that fuckwad. And ultimately... Ultimately, it was, uh, it's, it's, I like AJ a lot more in these early seasons. It, it limits my hate. I think a little bit more of my Soprano family hate was on Meadow in these early, in this early season, but it switches for me, obviously. Around. Oh, yeah. And it's interesting also to mention that AJ, because this pilot was, the second episode was shot so much, at, so much further past when the pilot was shot, AJ looks a lot older, or he's noticeably a little older. So as you can hear, the tick, 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 tick going away from the clock in the we back. Five minutes left. That was great. Yeah, that's a good podcast. See you guys later. Uh, so Chris pops up and he holds a gun. Yes, we get this whole Christopher. And uh, it's a funny line. The last line to really talk about in this scene was the guy goes, well, you need to tie me up. You need to. You can't. We can't just. I can't be unscathed. And they're like, oh, you want to be sca- yeah. scathed? And then they beat the shit out of him. Excuse me. So here we go with one of our side stories of the episode. And basically, when we start to learn about Carmela as a manipulator and Carmela using... Why are you... You're, you're just a sexist. Why do you hate Carmela so much? The first episode, all you did was attack Carmela, too. <laughs> I don't hate Carmela. Let me make let me make one thing straight. I think Edie Falco is an amazing actress because of the way she plays Carmela. Because I think Carmela is the biggest hypocrite i don't think it has anything to do with sex i think she just wants to play i don't i don't like it when people try to play both sides of their ass like carmella does she tries to take the high and pious route but she uses the mafia thing anytime it suits her own needs and i feel like i have to call her on her bullshit you're insane but that's fine (laughs) i don't think that about her at all she's like she was barely even in this episode she was in i mean when she talks to livia at her house after the whole you know the mushrooms and and that first scene, but you don't think she, you don't think she's essentially mentally cuckolding Lil, Olivia a couple times in this episode when she's like, "You can come live in my house, of course you can, Olivia." She's just showing her that Tony is hers, and watch me, watch me totally make Tony do anything I want. Would that you let Olivia live in your house? Uh, so we changed the subject. <laughs> no, God fucking no, I would not let Livia live, live in my house. But this enters a bigger point of the whole entire episode, Matt. Do you, what point do you have to give up on your mother? Like what, t- what point is like what Tony says, but she's my mother. Like, do I have to, do you have to take care of your mother if she's this toxic? What do you think about that? If you're an old school Italian guy, you do. I wouldn't. All right, that's me. And I, so, but I'm your an mother's asshole, very, but your mother's very nice. <sighs> okay, please. I'm not going to start venting with my mother now. But yeah, I mean, to him, he has that whole sense of duty that I don't have. You and I are like we're not from that generation or lifestyle, so I get why he does it. There are people. My sister's boyfriend, not Michelle, the other one, he's the most Italian guy I've ever met in my life. He would totally be like that with his mother. Mm. He's he's like he's Italian to the point of like being in this show. So yeah, I could see him doing it. Okay. So I mean, I I guess I just I don't hate Carmela. She's probably one of my favorite characters on the show. And I think she and Tony are 
obviously the two most iconic parts of the show when it really comes down to it, especially by the end. Season four, especially, Carmel is at like next level of awesome as a character and just Edie Falco's acting. Uh, <laughs> Worldwide Horror said, you said Carmela was worse than Cersei last episode. I think Cersei is 10 times worse than Carmela. Ah, uh, okay, different kind of world, but... But oh gosh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna live to live to live to rue that day. I said that. I think that Cersei. I think the reason why Carmella is more dangerous is because Carmella is smarter. I think that's what I guess the point I was trying to go on. Where Cersei works a lot on emotion, Carmella is like very calculating in, in my perception. She's of her. the most sane woman in the show. Look at the rest of them. Tony's like all of Tony's gumas. His sister is insane. Um, his mother's insane. She's the sane one there. And well, Meadow, but Meadow's a, a kid in the beginning of the show. One of the best names I've seen in a while. McDicker96 says Carmela deserves no sympathy. She made a choice. And okay. And I guess if we're comparing Livia to Carmela, it's apples and oranges. Carmela is somebody that made a choice and I think in some level moderately regrets the choices that she made to lead her to this point because she thought it would be a more glorified lifestyle. But she could not – and it gets it goes to a deeper question that we're, we can ask about Carmela throughout the series. Is Tony right about her? Could she not live – a normal lifestyle with the other guy she should have married that she felt like she should have married. Would yeah. she truly be unhappy in that situation without the power that Tony gives her? Again, I hate to say it because I'm not a big fan of prequels. This is where a Sopranos prequel may help. It would be it would be interesting to look to see what Carmelo was like before she met Tony. And How old were they when they got together? Do you I know? think she was very see, I young. Remember. I, I think I'm trying to remember back to if Tony hooked up with Artie Bucco's wife in high school, they must have known each other. That's the next episode, too, right? If you watch the preview of the next one, I think that happens right away. So, I, so I'm so i pretty sure we'll learn more about that as we go on. So so we get this whole scene that, that Carmela basically convinces Tony to help AJ's teacher who has his Saturn stolen from school. And, and That's how you know how old the show is. He, had a, he drove a Saturn. <laughs> and I love how – I love how uh, – uh, Meadow leaves the room once Carmela starts talking about pussy. Like she, like I guess my problem with Carmela is vis-a-vis -vis through Meadow. Is I have the same problem with her. Meadow has that she's a fucking hypocrite. Yeah. Okay. And that and that she wants to play this pious thing. And every time, every time she uses the mafia for her advantage. But no, shh, 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 shh. I'm better than this. You're going to hell when you die. That's the difference between me and you. So I guess that's where it is. Okay. My favorite part about that scene, and it's only because it's like it's like one of the best parts of the show. Tony comes downstairs in that robe, and if I picture anything <laughs> that you see over and over again, Tony walking downstairs, and you—it's like one of the best acting jobs he does because when he—not that episode, but usually he's got that—he's generally like exhausted from the night before, and you can feel it when he comes down the stairs wearing that robe in the morning. All right, I got to go back to bed. <laughs> And we talked a lot about Tony's accent not being right on in the first oh, it's, episode. Everything it's fine in this one. Yeah, he's t he, again. We said this about a few characters, and you said it right at the beginning. And you're right, Matt. This episode is the Sopranos ground running. It's right. it's it's pretty much everybody's everybody except for the kids that grow into different people. But but I mean, Carmela and Livia were really strong in the pilot, and so were people like Pussy when he had time and Sill and all those. I mean, but but really, it. Tony and Polly, who become such 
the two most, you could say, important members of the family. Uh, Christopher, too, but Christopher was very much Christopher in the first episode. They right. become who they are in this in this in 46 long and really who they are for the rest of the series, except again, the Sopranos isn't the normal show where the characters actually evolve a little bit, except for Polly. He doesn't really evolve. So anything else we want to say about this scene, Tony, it's, it's worth mentioning that I do have something that if we have time at the end, I'll look at an alternate script before it was edited uh, heavily that in that scene is a lot more of Carmela being a little bit more manipulative with Tony about yeah, anything that you can find to make her look more manipulative. Proof you have hidden proof of how manipulative Carmela was. I love it. I know I have actually in the first draft of the script, but in the first draft of the script, it's also worth mentioning that I re I'm reading a lot of these. And in the first draft, there's a lot of, um, a lot more Tony being blatantly racist that gets taken out in the final version. Well, there was still a lot of racism. In there, this no, episode. there is. There is. But I feel like they even curbed it a little bit, maybe because of HBO and maybe because they wanted people to like Tony and 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 he becomes much worse as time goes on. They let they let more of that out of Tony. So uh, so we continue. We go to the and then we get our first butta bing and uh, Pussy and Polly are hanging out and Christopher comes in and says uh, and uh, Tony tells the bouncer and says uh, uh, the modern day has come to the bing and uh, and bringing bringing them DVD players. And this is where we get our first interaction between Tony and Georgie. And that's something that comes back several times in the beginning half of the series. And Georgie how's Georgie. Why is Georgie even working there? I mean, I'm sure there's a story. Maybe his dad was a part of Tony's crew, so or connected to Tony's crew, so or he's just Sills bartender. But Tony hates this guy because he is freaking useless. He can't even can't even use the phones. No, and that's what's so crazy about like right there. You said the DVDs and then the phone with Georgie. Like technologically, how old this show is at this point? I can't. He's like they're talking about they're comparing laser discs and DVDs. Like yep. it, it's absurd. And what's funny about it is that. <laughs> Is that Tony and and Polly are as we get into that scene? You're right. That's where we get into. They go outside and they uh, and they try to and they get the DVD players. But and, and Brenda's like, I can come and hook it up at your house. But they're they're Tony and Polly are on the side that laser discs are better. You <laughs> know, they're right. like they're like, oh, I don't see many difference between the laser discs. There's more titles on laser discs than there are DVDs. Yeah, and the DVD, he's like. He's like, yeah, but the sounds a lot better. He's like, oh, I'll remember that next time I'm listening to Men in Black. <laughs> I love how he says Men in Black too. It's just right, a, right oh, again. Let's, that's how old this freaking thing is. Like all, Men in Black is the hot, the hot movie. There's also the one you need to see in HD. You know, which they didn't even have that HD. But. And there's also a Spice Girls reference in the episode as well, like Spice World. What are you guys watching Spice World? And there's another reference to. Uh, there's a couple other things like that just to make sure you know the times. Even though Starbucks is very much a big part of where we are now the explosions or the 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 spreading of the starbucks disease uh could is definitely very 90s when the show came out and they had oh, yeah. and they had that late kind of 90s late 90s like that's when we got it in swampscott that's when it made it all the way out to the east coast when we first started seeing it. exactly and that seems to be where we're where they focus on that in this episode too yeah. with, with everything that we played with the poly thing and with uh, them calling it butt fucks and because they don't want to call they don't actually say the name and these things are popping up everywhere. Anyways, so they have this whole thing back and forth. Then they go inside and uh, 
and he kind of tells tells Brendan to go fuck himself and Christopher falls Tony in to be like why do you hate Brendan and Tony's like I don't he's an okay kid but I don't like the methamphetamine and then Georgie has the guy in the call but he drops the call and Tony's wicked pissed off because because uh, Georgie's an idiot and him and Christopher are going back and forth and Tony realizes he has to call his mother so he calls Livia up and Again, this is one of the moments that got cut out of the script for some reason. She goes, oh, I'm cooking mushrooms. And Tony says off camera or off to the side, what's with her and all those fucking mushrooms? They cut that line. There's a couple of other little lines here here and there in this scene as well about Tony making references off about how hard Livia is to deal with. And... And in this same moment, we get a really funny interaction between uh, him and Georgie where she's like, let me put you on hold. And she's complaining about the answering machine. He goes, you remind me of my 80-year-old mother. You know, she knows how to use the phones better than you. It's it's interesting how much. Why do you think Tony hates Georgie so much? Because he's an idiot. He doesn't... Again, I don't know why they have him there. He maybe he's the bouncer for the club. Like I have no idea. He's the bouncer though. You, like uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I agree. I agree. There's got to be some some reason. I'm trying to remember because it's been a while. And I'm yeah, not- but who goes to work at a, as a bartender at a strip club in the middle of the day? Like it's not like there's a line of people out the door to get that job. And I, you know w- what I mean? Like it's it's noon. Who the hell's in the strip club anyways? You know. <laughs> I want to I want to say that we find out more about it in a future episode. It's been a while since I've watched The Sopranos, and I'm not watching ahead. When Tony really kicks his ass and he ends up quitting the bang, I want to say when he visits him in the hospital, we get a little bit more of how he's connected to everybody. Yeah. Like I, again, I want to say maybe maybe his dad or somebody worked for Tony's dad wasn't a full-fledged member, but again, like him, like a friend, like an associate. Yeah, it could be a friend of the Aprils or something like that. Some yeah. crap like that. So Tony realizes he has to call his mom. We get this whole thing with with Olivia being like watching someone delivering a package between yeah, the doors. Yeah, so you notice right you notice there that she's, I don't know if you saw it in the first episode as much, that she's mentally like incompetent at that point. I don't think you, in the first one, she's just like whining and kind of old and he's trying to put her in a home. But this one here, like, She's supposed to go turn the heat down on the mushrooms and instead goes like starts watching the woman across the street who happens to be black because that seems to be Livia's thing (laughs) saying, what is she stealing now? And she completely forgets that A, she's trying to deal with the mushrooms and B, she has Tony on the phone. And after she goes and sees the mushrooms, she picks the phone up and goes, who's it? Who is this again? Like you realize at this point here that she's actually lost her mind and needs help. It's worth mentioning, Matt, that again in this the first draft of the script stuff I've read, they initially when Carmella she poisoned the mushrooms. I'm sure, <laughs> Phil. That's what happened. <laughs> no, they initially wanted to uh, have Olivia have to have the dementia test at this point. Like when she goes, when they go through the whole thing about her running over a friend in the original draft of the script, they take her to the hospital and have her assessed to have early onset dementia, and that's why she gets put. That's why Tony's like, I can uh, get a power of attorney over you. There's still stuff that carry, yeah. carries over from that point because they actually do the test then. They end up bringing that back later. But they, they initially they initially had wanted to do that then. McDicker says, I love your name, McDicker. I think Georgie is supposed to be like a fat, dumb, lovable version of Tony. Uh, they even look the same. Maybe that's a good point that we get a feeling that as time's gone on, Tony's turned a lot harder that – at first, he was just like a weed dealer that had a crew of buddies and friends. Maybe Georgie was connected to him at that stage when Tony was a lot more laid back and kind of like had hippie-like tendencies and kind of just carried over through with him. And now Tony's a little bit more 
you know, militant in his mindset and a little bit more in this, on this stretch of everyone's a pussy now, except for me or, you know, everyone, you know, they're all, all these whining guys that are, uh, you know, the happy wanderer, as he says later on. And uh, Georgie's the perfect totally example of that. Mind. After the whole thing happens with Livia, like you see the stress build. There's like 15 things going on at once. There's the guy that was supposed to call. I forget what the hell his name was. Not Fletch. S- Surge. But like like Surge. That. Surge, right. And then he's got Georgie being Georgie and then his mother. And then... I don't Chris, know what what are they coming and talk to him about? Christopher about Christopher is yelling at him about about, about Brendan okay. stuff about why you're being rude to Brendan. He's a good earner. Blah 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 blah. So Christopher's giving him all that shit. So eventually, as we said, Livia uh, realizes that the wall's burning. She can't function enough to get the to get the fire extinguisher. And Tony, reasonably to say, Tony was freaking out. But you see why Tony is who he is and good at things like this, even though he can't continue to live like this. You see why don't Tony is a good gangster because he can multitask really, really well. And it's one of his strong points. He, and he remembers things and he, and he can, he, he has like a me- good mental Rolodex to use a really outdated term. He, uh, it's appropriate that it's outdated with everything, with everything that we're talking about. It's true. And Tony, and Tony just immediately delegates everything calls Carmela. And I love the scene with Carmela, which I like Carmela in the scene because she steps up, but, but she's sitting there doing her nails and Tony mm-hmm. calls her and is like, hey, can you go? My mother has a fire in house. Can you go over there? And she's like, oh, and he goes, I know you're busy, honey. And she's like, right. yep, I'm busy. <laughs> sure. And on his way out, this the other thing we forgot to mention in that scene. Uh, Pussy gets in his face and goes, I love it when Pussy gets in my face. And is like, no, it asks about the license plate number. And he tells him to call to call Carmela. So then we get Olivia's house and the fire is being put out. We already talked a bit about this scene. Carmela and Olivia have a great back and forth. I love these two when they have scenes together because, again, I said it earlier, Carmela gives Olivia this attitude, like I assume Olivia gave her when she first met her, this cuckold sort of thing where it's like, I'm owning you, like looking at her like, Tony's mine now. Ha 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 ha. And there's the subtext to the scene. And this isn't about hating Carmela. This is about a lot of shit she says to, about Livia throughout the series. That woman's toxic. Your father's the problem. That woman's not as fragile as you think. She's playing a game with Livia back and forth here. And I, and I like it. I like it a lot. But it is worth mentioning, this happens later in the episode, but one of these Sopranos didn't cross their T's and dot their I's things. In this episode, Tony mentions and Carmela mentions that Livia is going to pick up her parents. And later in season three, when Livia's, when we finally meet Carmela's parents and Livia dies, we get a line from Carmela that says, or from Tony that says, oh, your parents will finally come around now that the dragon lady's dead. So it's something just to worth mentioning and that we'll talk about later as time goes on that the Sopranos, they weren't sure how bad they were going to make Livia at the beginning. And I think they, they discovered it as they were going because in this episode, potentially she was picking up Carmela's parents and has a relationship. Yeah, not to mention why in the world. You're right. I didn't even realize that. That's a total – because her parents are totally like Fuck competent yeah. people too. They're like – they're, they seem a lot younger than Livy. They're totally competent. He drives all the time. Why in God's name would they have some old lady go pick them up and drive them around? That they hate. That they won't that they come. Hate, right. That they won't really come by the house. And apparently is what we find out in season three. The reason why we haven't seen Carmela's parents is because they hate Livia so much that they won't come around. Even though Tony for half that time pushes her out of his life. 
And I forgot to mention too, we get a lot more junior in this episode as we're about to get to it. So we get to pussy at the body shop and there's not too much to say about the scene. They just go through here and there to try to find uh, more information about the AJ's car. It's just, again, interesting to note the overall theme of this episode about how low is the mafia gone that pussy through this whole whole situation is just like nonplussed by this. Like, I can't believe I'm the guy that has to go around doing this shit. And it's worth mentioning too, that again in the uh, the other script as uh, I'll talk about it when we get to the scene uh, but but there's there's a lot more in the thrown away material of Tony being really mean to pussy like really mean to him like to the point where in that scene with the suit coats when they're picking out the suit coats that Tony runs over and like cuts up the coat that pussy wants just so he can't get the just cuz because uh, Tony picks out a suit and Polly says something to him like, oh, Tony, you already have that suit. You should give that to pussy. And then Tony walks over and gets scissors and cuts up the suit and goes, fuck that pussy can't have it. And because they're the same size. It's like a couple of things like that that are put in there that I guess are more to lead you to believe and makes me think that they knew right from the beginning that they were going to have pussy be a rat. And they were setting this stuff up of why pussy would actually do this because he feels disrespected. Turn on him. Why yeah. he might turn? Why he might be open to actually turning on him? So, uh, so okay, we get the whole thing with AJ's car. We get uh, then we get Polly and Pussy together, which is amazing. These two together, I love Polly and Christopher together. I think a bit more than Christopher with uh, Christopher with Pussy or Polly with Pussy. But when uh, Pussy and Polly are my favorite group of Tony's people, but Pussy and Paul, I mean. Pussy, uh, Polly and Christopher, excuse me, it gets confusing. You just wanted to say pussy as many times. I wanted to say pussy as many times as I could. But pussy and Polly, for the beginning half of the series, they have a very interesting relationship. And it's it's explored a lot to the point where they when they first think he's a rat, that, you know, you take off your clothes, pussy. Come on, take off your clothes, pussy. They have a they have a fun relationship. So we talked a lot about this scene. We already played the quote. Uh, this is where we find out there's a lot of these stores that are already spread around. Polly, po- do you want to read your quote since we already played it? No, you already <laughs> said the whole thing because now I, I think I missed a word or two. But he, he starts naming this stuff off like, you know, Buffalo Mozzarella, all the things that like he's just horrified that they're raping the Italian language or the Italian culture, I guess, is what it is. But it's the most again, he had one line in the first or two lines in the whole first episode. And here you already have like. That first scene about, you hear what I told them uh, in the opening scene. And then this part here, which is, it, it's incredible. And it really is. And okay, so then we get the point that the two of them are off on a mission trying to find the Saturn. So we go over to Tony meeting with Dr. Melfi. And Tony tells uh, Melfi that about the whole situation that happened with the fire and that Livia's finally agreed to have someone come in to help her. It's a Trinidadian woman. And they go into this whole big thing about as, again, basically what we were talking about that, and this is the only question I want to get from their conversation going back and forth where we talked about, I think we talked about this before the show too, where is Tony's acting like he's doing the wrong thing because he's not letting her live with him and, but blames it on Carmela. Who do you think is the one that really won't let Livia live with them? Or do you think it's a combination of both of them being like, eh? Listen, Carmela invited her. When they sat down, and I know you're always looking for. Do you think that was a bullshit? Do you think that was an? Do you think that was a bluff? Do you think Carmela? I think was Carmela would have done her duty as a nice Italian daughter-in-law to whether she wanted to or not let Livia live in the house. 
I think part of it is that she knew Olivia wouldn't actually go there. Right. It was again, and, she was bluffing a little bit. Right. And part of this is also, but Tony, when Tony's talking to Melfi, like he he wants to be able to blame someone else. He wants to not have to take the blame for the fact that he can't stand his mother. But Melfi also is trying to turn him against his mother the whole time. Like yeah. she's from go. You know, that there's the go. other part later on we'll talk about after the car incident. But, yeah. Um, but I, I agree with you. And I think you've treaded on a really important point about Tony, that Tony is always somebody that blames other people for things. He never can take full responsibility when he right. makes mistakes. He always has to. Someone says it later on. I believe it's uh, Carmine Sr. says it later on. He goes, the Sopranos, the good people, but they always have to vilify somebody. And I think I think that's true specifically about Tony. And it is true to Junior to a certain extent as well. He always has to have someone who's fucking him over. And, and, and always working to do that. So, so you think it's ultimately Tony that won't let Livia live with them? Oh, of course not. He'd go crazy. He can't stand being with her for three minutes. I tend to agree with you. I think it's more Tony. So then we get Tony going to Livia's house and we get his interaction with the, with the, the, the home service worker. And, uh, and she's like, Livia, your son's here. And he goes, he goes, you know, I don't mind. If, what's he say? It's something like no ganja during the day or something. Right, right. Because she like sounds Jamaican, like her accent kind of. So he turns that into like no ganja while you're here. Yeah, it's just weird. It's just crazy. And, and then we get a great Tony and Livia scene where it, which I think the key line, the key moment in this scene that that I think is pretty much hilarious is when she starts going, she's stealing. You know that, you know that really nice statue that Aunt Satine, uh, the plate from the restaurant. It's a plate, yeah, the plate. And the, but she specifies the plate that your aunt stole. She says the aunt, the the plate that your aunt Satine stole. Or she said take took from the restaurant. So she think she's thinking that someone stole something that her sister already stole. It's it's just funny how Olivia's mind works. Yeah, and then they, but then at that point he's now reinforcing again how much she's lost her mind because he's like, "Oh, you sure you didn't give it away? Like you've given away everything else that we had." Right. And there's another line in the scene that's connected to a scene that was cut that where Tony says, "You give uh, your our cousin, I forget who the cousin's name, uh, it's like Cartier Jewelry, Car Cartier Jewelry, and you give me a massage chair." That's yeah. from a scene that was cut earlier in the episode where Olivia forces on him the massage chair gives him a massage chair that that's one of those lines that just kind of got stuck that was left yeah because i was like i was like what, what the hell is the massage chair but okay yeah there's, a, there's, a, what you're talking about. there's a cut scene from the script where olivia is giving away stuff and she goes and you tony you're gonna get this massage chair you need it you have stress in your life i hear you having panic it's like a whole thing where she goes like she demasculates him in front of somebody uh by talking about his i think it's might be in front of the trinidadian woman uh, that about how he is going to therapy and how he needs stress relief and then gives him the massage chair. And uh, so then we go, we get the first line that Livia threw this all. Then we get back to the, you come to the nursing home, you come live with us back and forth. And Livia tells Tony that she suddenly becomes very clear minded and says, Tony Jr. called the house and he looked, sounded very agitated, <laughs> which is an ongoing theme. So we cut over to Satriel's meat market and we meet Tony. Which is now Satriel. It's like it should be. It is. And we have a sit down with Tony and we get Jackie Aprile Sr. I mean, Senior, yes, uh, who is our acting boss. We also get a reference, not too many references that we do get to this, but that there is the Mayo family mafia that the old man's in prison. Right. And see, 
I had totally forgotten that, that Jackie wasn't even the real boss, that he was the acting boss. Acting boss. Yeah. Now, what I wonder, and someone, maybe someone in the comment section or uh, somewhere, someone listening to the podcast on the audio feed can answer this, or I can look into this a little bit more for next week, the structure of the Soprano family in the sense of Tony's dad. Is this the guy that was in charge after Tony's dad, or is this guy always in charge? And Tony's dad was never in charge. So Tony's That's dad was just a captain. Tony's dad, I believe, was probably the equivalent of a captain and underboss, like like Polly, or was he more like Junior? You think? I don't know. I, I see. That's I'm thinking he was more like a Junior, maybe, or more like what we do know from the first episode. That's where how much is the pilot canon to the Sopranos? Because right. because we find out that Johnny was higher became a head of a crew before junior did and had was younger but went proceeded further in the mafia than junior did and junior is and then he also makes the reference that yeah my dad never got as high as i did tony says that but that's when they still thought tony, tony was, was the, the boss, boss already, right first, so it's right. it's interesting i i'm guessing that tony was probably the cap i mean that tony's father was probably the captain of his own crew and probably got to that point was one of the top earners for the DeMeo family, and the and became maybe acting boss at times here. Oh, was maybe, so he was he was probably under Jackie's. Is it Jackie's dad? Uh, no, I'm I'm not sure. And again, we'll we'll get a little bit more into this when we get to uh, the flashbacks episodes that we get Tony's dad because I right, forget right, right. Okay. I forget that, but I'm sure we'll get a little bit more information about that then. So we get this whole thing about Junior and Tony going back and forth about the stolen DVDs. Tony's really antagonistic, as Matt was mentioning earlier. Some part of this is just his enjoyment of agitating uncle jr and and you get the feeling again you learn a lot about tony in this episode you didn't see a lot of this in the first episode how much of a brat tony is i love tony soprano but he is a fucking brat and he is an antagonist he's bugs bunny to a certain extent they run it unofficially unofficial unofficially like when tony ran it unofficially under jr says mcdicker and i guess that's it's worth mentioning too if we're, we we talk a lot about you know future stuff about uh phil leotardo's feelings towards the soprano family he says they're not a family they never were a family they're just a glorified crew there's no organization over there they don't take the oath the same way they don't do anything so it's so it's worth mentioning that that mcdicker probably is correct in the sense that it's always been a glorified crew more than a family that they call themselves a family but really they're just a powerful crew that's been able to be able to interact right and they don't run a major city they run Part of, part of Jersey. Yeah, they run one part of Jersey. Right. So, so North Jersey, I believe it is. So uh, so again, so so Tony and Christopher have a back and I'm Tony and Junior have a back and forth about Christopher. Ultimately, uh, Jackie Aprio really sides and right in the middle and says, "Pay restitutions to Junior. It will all be good." Tony's like, "Okay, done. No no big deal." And Junior makes one more comment about Christopher being a little bitch and. And kind of moves on the subject. And Jackie also says, you Sopranos, always blowing up your minds, always, you know, going crazy. And I do want to mention that I that I forgot how quickly this progressed. You know, like in my memory of this, some of this stuff didn't happen until later. And it's it's interesting just how quickly season one of The Sopranos, you get right into this, the overall story arc for this season. See, I remember that scene in the coffee shop so well that I thought it must have happened later on. Yeah, me too. Me too. And and it's again, these these moments are so I overuse Because it's so poly. I'm like that couldn't have happened right away because it's so poly for him to do that. Yep. 
Absolutely. And also, Tony uh, Jr. makes a comment about Livia. Glad someone's uh, there to help him. And what's very interesting, too, that I think in this moment is Jr. uses this opportunity after Tony leaves and and uh, Jackie Sr. is Tony's best friend, essentially. And Junior uses that opportunity to talk shit about Tony hiring uh, hiring a Trinidadian woman for Olivia. Like, like, come on, Junior. Like, he's not the person you talk shit to about Tony. At least that's why it's all getting back to Tony. I mean, Jackie seems fair, but he's also obviously biased to Tony because of how they right. came up. And yeah, but I think Jackie, and again, I, I got to wait and see how this unfolds. I think he is very old school too, in the sense though, of probably what's right and what's wrong going back like a hundred years. I you think know? you're right, Matt. And I think that's probably why uh, Jackie from some, from the people of Tony's generation, Tony, Jackie, Paul, who's in the generation before, Syl, and uh, eventually Ralphie, uh, who's supposed to be around but isn't around. Like all these people of this generation is a reason why Jackie rose quicker than right. everybody else. And Jackie is the acting boss. And uh, so we continue. Oh, then we get our scene with, speaking of the Bugs Bunny, Tony Bugs Bunny, going and antagonizing Mikey. And he hates Mikey. You can just tell right off the bat. He thinks this guy's a piece of shit. Has no joke for him. Has no, has no fucks for Mikey at all. And him and Mikey, you can tell, kind of feels the same way. And I like that they introduced Mikey. I don't think he was as su successful as other antagonists that they made for Tony, uh, like Richie and uh, and Ralphie. I think was the best within the family. Uh, I I don't know. I never I never really took Mikey that seriously. I always knew he never. You never got any idea of what his real character was about, though. Either he was just some guy that was put there to piss him off. Like you learn a lot about Ralphie. Like up, you know. A lot of it's kind of creepy and you don't want to know it. And the same <laughs> thing with even uh, uh, even with Richie. with Richie. But, you know, Mikey's just immediately unlikable from the first second, though. Exactly. Where the other two, uh, you like them in a in Not that you're not you're ever, you like Ralph, but there's a lot of depth to you, his character. You like Joey Pants. You like Joey Pants as an actor. So, like, you accept Ralphie for who he is. So then we get another scene at the coffee shop where they ultimately find the guy's name that they need to hunt out for the uh, Saturn and Polly steals a coffee cup on his way out. Fuck this. I'm taking it. Pot, a coffee pot, like a big, like something that probably cost in Starbucks like $100. <laughs> I, just, I love it. I just love that moment when Polly does that. It's hilarious to me. It's, it's, it's again, uh, that he's never going to use the coffee pot. He just does it out of spite. That's yeah, it. He does. It's a spite steal. I like it. I, I, I support the spite steal there. So, okay. Then we get, uh, Carmel is stopping by Livia's house and we see the, uh, we see the home care worker running out and saying, that's it. I'm done. And, and Livia's like, I, these black people, I know how to talk to people. <laughs> and it's interesting, again, to mention, if we go to the thrown away script, it's never actually dictated, even in the thrown away script, what what Livia says to her. It just says, cue Livia uh, insensitive comment. But it actually doesn't, in, in the script, it seems to imply that it doesn't have to, it wasn't necessarily something racist. It was something about the woman's dead sister. Uh, Olivia, Liv, Livia's name, uh, there was one point when the woman calls Livia Olivia and Livia gets pissed off about it and 
and the woman starts telling her about her dead sister or something whose act name is also Olivia. And it's so good to take care of you, Olivia, because I'm my sister, Olivia. And then it says, cue horrible thing that Olivia says. So it was something about her dead sister or something. Yeah, but it could have been that they couldn't possibly be sisters because she's black or something like that. I don't know. Something, yeah. If, who I, I'm willing to bet, I'm with you, Matt, that it was probably, uh, probably, probably a combination of both. And uh, doing it now. Ba, 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 ba. Okay, so I continue here. Let's continue. Uh, so the next morning, we see to Tony taking a bunch of Prozac. He meets with Christopher and Brandon Falone. Christopher gets into his face. And this is, we talked a little bit about the scene, talking about the restitutions. Tony tells him how much they want. And Christopher also gets into the whole positive, positive visualization. Why am I getting fucked right. here? Really awesome Christopher stuff. I don't see you giving back your DVD players. And also gets into, have you talked about me being made yet? What I did last week when I killed that guy. Uh, the books are closed. The books are closed. That's some true shit. And this is where we get the line, Kimo Sabi from Brendan, where Brendan, high on meth, obviously, talks shit about Jackie. And Tony picks him up and literally throws him out the door into a pile of pots and pans. Right. And he's trying to even, I think what he said to him was like, we know you're the boss now or something like that. Ever, be, ever since he became Kimo Sabi, like, yeah. isn't that what he says? How he yeah. phrases it? He said, yeah, it's, the, it's, uh, we all know that you're running things yeah. uh, since, uh, since, since Jackie became a Kimo Sabi. And he's trying to like pay Tony a compliment and suck up to him almost, right? Mm -hmm. He is obviously too stupid to realize that they're really good friends and that yep. obviously anything happened to Jackie is like, it's one of those a drastic effect on Tony. So. It's one of those things and we've all done it. You bring a friend that you think's funny or it's like weasels his way to a situation he shouldn't be in. And I think I've been this friend in some situations and, and someone just makes a joke that they shouldn't make a really loud, obnoxious joke, yep. trying to too hard to connect in that situation and it fails miserably. Hey Tom, welcome buddy. Welcome. Okay. So, so yeah. And ultimately Filoni gets thrown out of there. Then, uh, Polly and uh, we get Polly and no 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 before that you notice where Tony then immediately oh, takes yeah, some talk money about it. from the yeah talk talk about that for a second here so, so so that's part of what you talked about like how Tony's like let me see if I can talk him down to ten thousand and who knows what he ever says to Junior I, you have no idea how that actually plays out if he offers Junior twelve thousand ten thousand fifteen said all the kid had was ten or what maybe Junior just told him. Well, I don't even know who told him it was fifteen thousand. Maybe Tony gave him that number and was really only half. Yeah, of that. I think that I think that was probably it. Like Jackie probably said, "I'll give him five grand." And Tony's like, oh, "I'll take 15. And yeah. yeah, we get Tony, and then we get Christopher and Brendan talking about how Tony just fucked them. So then we get uh, the address: Polly and Puss, Pussy pull, pull up. Whoa, that was a tongue twister. Polly and Pussy pull up uh, with silenced pistols from the bag, and they knock on the door. It's Rosera. Who's there? It's Rosera. <laughs> <laughs> and they come in and they pull these guys up, put these up, and they ultimately rough these guys up and convince them to show them where the Saturn is. So we find out the Saturn's already been chopped up, and Pussy gets an idea. You guys climb over this. What's gonna happen here is you guys are gonna climb over this fence. What about the barbed wire? Fuck yourselves. Climb over the fence. You're gonna steal those plates. One of you gonna stay with us. The other's gonna go boost another Saturn. So you just see the power that Tony has that just for his kid's teacher, people will go to this length to protect, you know, to get a gift to Tony, essentially. 
Right. And Tony's only doing it because he asked him in the beginning, what do you get in science? He goes, a D plus. D plus. And that's why he decided to do it. So we go to the Soprano residence and Tony looks out the pool where the ducks used to be. This is our metal moment of the day. Meadow walks up and goes, I still like your the ducks. And Tony notes that uh, you still look for the ducks. And she just says, I'm not that into it. And again, Meadow is 10 times less annoying in this episode. She's not yelling all her lines. She's relaxing into it. And she had her plastic surgery. Not that still I could not hot yet though. Still. Yeah. still not quite there yet. She is. She doesn't get that till like around season five and season six. Know, and you're caught off guard by it. You're like, you're like, Holy shit. What is up with Meadow? And yeah. She looks, she ends up looking very nice by the end of the series. So Tony says, uh, he thought it was special for the ducks to come, but whatever. So then we get to Tony. Uh, we'd already talked about this scene. Tony asking when Olivia is showing up. And Carmela tells Tony that Olivia has to take her friend to the doctors. She yeah. then has to pick her parents up and drive to her house. Tony then says he complains about Olivia, but she goes all over the place and she drives her parents around. Eh, but whatever, we'll accept it. And oh, he, any excuse he has to say what a great person she is. And we cue to downtown Livia dropping off Fanny. Make sure you make a lot of noise unless in case someone's in the house because <laughs> you never can tell. And Fanny sees a newspaper in her driveway and she bends over to get it. Livia, who's freaking out, backing up into a road, which is dangerous. That bothers me, too. And she doesn't realize that the car is still in drive. And she hits this accelerator and she runs right into Fanny, who slams up against the window and goes down. So, again, in the original script, we have a lot more that happens after that with them going to the hospital, dealing with the police and Olivia, Olivia having to take mental tests, telling the person to go fuck themselves, like lots of interesting stuff. So at therapy, we end up in the episode going right to therapy where Tony tells Milfie that Livia broke her wrist and Milfie's like, what about the other woman? Uh, right. It's like, that's so weird the way that Tony brings it up like that. Yep. You know? Hip. Uh, uh, uh. Then we start talking about this is hilarious that that Milfie kind of implies that in and I I like how Tony calls her on this because Milfie does kind of imply that Livia did it on purpose and yeah, it's fucked up and Tony's like are you trying to say that, that my mother wanted to do that like and he's like no it's fucked up that you would even say that I would think that and he but you did say that Milfie. And this is when Tony talks about, can you remember one good story about your mom? Or was that last week where it's like laughing? No, that was this one. That was, yeah, laughing. You remember at like one happy thing that happened with your mom, one memory of that. Uh, well, my dad felt. No, 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 no. no. It's one positive, loving moment loving with your moment mother. Your mom. He ends up telling some story about how they all laughed <laughs> at his father or something who fell down or something ridiculous like that. Yeah, it's, it's something- not loving thing at all it's just a time they had a good time and he laughed oh we got a texter texter says says thanks guys for the sopranos reviews love the sopranos recaps it's good to hear to think about the show and good an excuse to rewatch the episode uh quick question do you think livia has been do you think livia really is crazy or she's been making it up the whole time i th- i think livia is hmm i think i think she's she's I think just because I think both things can be true. I think her mind is gone, but she still is able to make certain conscious decisions. She doesn't have full blown out a dimension the way that I've seen like 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 personal my, like my mother does or something. She but she's definitely losing certain parts of her brain that shut off certain switches. But maybe she never had that. Maybe she's just always been. Well, she obviously has some sort of personality disorder, like hands that, down. Like she's she's a sick, twisted woman. But do you really think yeah. she's losing her mind as much as it seems? Or is this just her stop, not giving a fuck? Well, the, I, I mean, the whole thing with the, the mushrooms, I don't think that was intentional. She she literally lost her mind at the point where she's looking out the window at the, at, at the, the, the male woman across the street. 
Right. And then picks the phone up and goes, who is this? In a moment when her house is catching on fire, I think at that moment, if she was sane, she would have acted sane. And I, I agree with what you're saying. I think it's a different level. I think the not level- Not sane, but- But, I, but no, capable, capable. Because right. I think yeah. she's not- Competent. I think she's competent enough to run a house by herself, to live alone by herself and cook and clean. And like, it's the point where she goes, why do I need someone to help? Because you need someone to cook and clean and, and do all that stuff for you. And then you can thrive. And that's what we see later on when she finally does go to Green right. Grove and accepts it all and only complains when Tony's around. She ultimately, once she has everyone to do things for her, she thrives and becomes controlling and manipulates Junior and is very still very in control, but here trying to run her own house and drive around and do all that, it's too much for her. So I don't think she's full-blown to the point of someone that needs to be in a home, but she does need to be in an assisted living of some sort or have a woman in living doing her doing stuff for her. Or like Janice eventually serves that role or the uh, the one-legged woman well, or something. The, the dangerousness of like, that's what we originally thought. Well, I don't need to get this about my grandmother, but like at some point it's like she's going to leave something on the stove and forget it's there and that yep. starts a fire. No, absolutely. And I, I mentioned it briefly, like my mom with, with her, with her, uh, her, her dementia like we she she had to get in the home when she couldn't answer the phone herself when she couldn't do this or something yeah. you know when she couldn't do all these little things cook clean go to the bath you know like all that sort of shit and i think Livia's getting to that point so so uh milfie talks about green grove it's gonna be a brave new step it's green grove that's beautiful it's like a what's the line it's like a, i forget it's a something and I, I don't get the reference either it's like a, a room at cap and Teves. i think it's a i think it's a that was like the queen mary was another boat i think it's just one of those okay. one one of those big luxury early luxury line you know luxury boats because yeah, tony says it later on and they're like yeah. she's like she didn't know what it was and tony like didn't know what it was either you know I think he says, tells it to his mother later on. Quickly to go through this scene, we see Christopher Adriana for the first time as Adriana. And uh, they're outside the line uh, waiting to get into a club. Again, in the in the original script, this goes much further. Brendan Fallon pulls out a gun, uses Tony Soprano's name a bunch. Let me in. I'm, I work for Tony Soprano, a bunch of all that sort of shit. The Scorsese stuff was still in there. And surprisingly enough, I never knew this. That was not actually Martin Scorsese. That was an actor playing Martin Scorsese who looks. Oh, I like, figured it was Scorsese. Me too. It, it's like a lookalike. It's like and all those guys know Scorsese, so it's not even like that much of a stretch because they were all in good. Right. Fellas. That's actually not Martin Scorsese, which was very surprising. I learned in this uh, on this rewatch when I was looking into you know reading the notes about it. So, anyways, the group's finally able to get in the club, and this scene again goes a lot longer with both of them doing some doing some meth and talking shit about Tony. And why shouldn't we jack another truck? Let's jack a truck of suits. It's going to happen, blah, 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 blah. Christopher talks about there's no organization in the mafia because no one listens to, you know, that everything's a mess. And uh, so it's the, it's the Old West out here, so we might as well do it. We also get a very important shot of uh, Adrian on the dance floor shaking her ass. I think that's very important for the future of the series. Christopher! And uh, so the next day, we see Tony sitting in Livia's room eating some Virginia ham. <laughs> he loved the ham. And uh, <laughs> that's actually where he finds out about the Cartier was right there because I wrote that down there about like that scene. Worldwide horses. Tony says the stuff that Melfi tells him that time in the series. Yeah, it, it's really awesome the how like Tony always tries to repeat what Melfi says in yeah. different groups to sound intelligent, but he always fucks it up. <laughs> So Christopher notes that uh, anyway. So next day, Tony's eating the Virginia ham, eating it. And as you said, yeah, you never let me feed ya. 
And this is, we already talked about the scene. This is where we talked about the jewelry and, right. and Tony says that he got Josephine, your aunt, cousin Josephine. And because uh, Carmela never showed interest in the jewelry and you can't live alone anymore. This is where Tony goes into the, I can get a power of attorney and have you placed into a home. And this is the moment, Livia, you can stab me in my heart right now because it yeah. won't hurt more, won't hurt more than what you just said. I know seniors that are inspiring. She just starts weeping. <laughs> the, the cat in teeth style. It's just like, it's just hilarious. Olivia just, she owns this character and she's just amazing in it. So then we get, get the next morning and we're just going to talk briefly about this scene. Filoni comes to meet Christopher and Christopher's waiting up for him and says, listen, I'm not going. <laughs> Um, I'm not going anywhere. Don't worry. Uh, I mean, I'm not, not don't worry. I'm going to take a pass. Maybe the problem with the mafia is no one listens to middle management. I think this is bad. I'm not going to go. And what's interesting to note here is Filoni's like, fuck you coach. I'm going anyway. I don't give a shit. And later on when Tony calls him out on his shit and says, well, did you offer advice or anything? He did. He totally offered advice. Yeah. He told him not to go. He can't force him not to go. And I think that's just Tony giving Christopher a little shit when he didn't need. Christopher did the right thing. Well, the difference was, though, Christopher's trying to rise up and wants to be a made man. He should have used better judgment right there if he's trying to actually do that. If he wants to be a boss someday or not a boss, so, if he wants to move up at all. So what do you think the play, to like what play would Tony have been happy if Christopher contacted him right there at six in the morning and said, I tried to talk. No, print Christopher says, dude, don't do this. This isn't the right thing. If you really want to get involved with this, would be working for Tony someday. You Like, we got to not do this right now. Right. But I'm saying from I agree with you that would have been the right. But Tony's thing to also his story, like throughout the whole episode, he he bleeds all of his fucking guys financially. Like they don't have any other money because he takes such a cut from everyone. You everybody, everyone gripe about him at some point. Everybody, and it's and he gives you this like I I you can't say no to me. Like who's gonna say no to me? Thing sort of vibe. Right. And Meanwhile, he lives in this house that's so much bigger than everyone else's. That house. castle up on the street as it gets yeah, which, and, and that just shows you how big his dad ever got. His dad lives in the same size house that like Junior did. You know, the house that Livia's in is the house that they made. It's a, it's a, you know, it's like a, it's like a regular house in Saugus or something is what it is. <laughs> So a few hours later, we get the whole scene with Filoni and his friend Special K. Filoni is Brendan for anyone who's not. Yeah, Brendan Brendan Filoni and Special K. And they set up a roadblock to stop the uh, the next truck of suits. And the guy gets out. He's like, oh, I'm with your guy on the inside. Don't worry about me. And Brendan's like, goes to the one the guys, uh, oh, don't hold your gun sideways. It like slaps yeah, him. And he still does. And he goes back and does it again. It's hilarious. And then one of the guys gets in the car. We get a reference to Fisher Price in the scene. You can't drive a Fisher Price. And he, they and he up, couldn't. And they end up getting, uh, trying to make the driver actually move the truck. And one of them freaks out a little bit or just gets clumsy and drops the gun and it bounces. And they're like, hold your shit, man. And it ends up shooting the guy, shooting the truck driver, which also gets, spo that gets spoiled on the, uh, preview for that week's episode so you see that guy get shot for whatever it's worth so you would have known that was coming if you were watching the episode live but anyways so he shoots that guy and uh then he goes holy shit holy shit junior soprano is gonna fucking freak out now my my question is brendan freaks out there and starts yelling about how how junior is gonna have a hissy fit why would junior be more pissed junior what we know about Junior and what we know about the Mafia, they don't really care too much about non-soldiers non or non-people in the family, protected people getting getting killed in this situation. I mean, he'd be a little bit more upset, but not much more upset just that he hijacked it, that he killed the guy. You know, it's not that much of a fine line. You know what I'm saying? Like, 
the only thing is that company, I think he says at one point, whatever the name of the company Conley. is. Conley. They pay him a lot of money for, for protection. protection. Oh, good good point, Mag. Very good point. But at the same time, still hijacking the truck is... Just as bad. Almost just as bad. It's just... Because he's still going to have to... Although he could have played it off. It was, it was two black guys, so it's not tied into the mafia, you know, but... Either way. Yeah, but Brendan really freaks out and he's freaked out about Junior. So then we go to Green Grove and this is an amazing scene with Tony, Carmela, Olivia meeting the Grove director, Bonnie. To, as, and Olivia, with the ultimate poker face to this entire scene, just doesn't even doesn't even move and this woman's like are you happy to live us and Carmela is amazing at the scene too oh my god your belongings are here when my grandmother had to live elsewhere she didn't get to keep her belongings <laughs> <laughs> it's so fucking funny Johnny motherfucking Stark managed to catch another live show Sopranos the modern day Game of Thrones in the sense of the uh I, the same quality from the same amazing place as HBO. I agree with you. And we were talking about this last episode, how it is so much must-see TV at the time. Love you, Johnny Stark. Love you, Tim. The only thing about this episode, I'm, this is off topic for a second, mm -hmm. but it was a little choppy from scene to scene. There were some scenes where it was shot beautifully, where it has that great like openness to a soprano shot from a really cool angle. Yeah. But I think it's still because it's early on again in the kinks out. And again, they have different directors for so many of the shows, but I guess that's bound to happen. I agree with I agree with you. Full on, like artistically, uh, visually, and everything design-wise, starts getting into that home run zone in the beginning of season two. Towards the end of season yeah. one, beginning of season two, they really find their rhythm of what's going on. You can say the same thing about Breaking Bad. I Yeah, that, that first season, when you watch it again now, you're like, ooh, how is this uh, as amazing? Because then you see what they reach artistically in later season on. two yeah like in season two it's just like holy shit and to me it's yeah. not that season it took me it's part of it too is the rawness of that I and mean, we'll get into breaking bad when we get to breaking bad but we'll, we'll talk about that later so bonnie assures olivia that she'll be excited when she gets there then she gives her a uh italian proverb that uh what's that mean uh i'm trying to find what the what the notes of that uh, it's something about time and patience turn the something and then the I mulberry caring the mulberry leaf to silk and it's, yeah. it's just yeah okay like uh yes inside a cocoon inside a uh a caterpillar one day will become a butterfly it's like it's like the stupidest shit in the world yeah. and Livia calls it up but it's interesting to mention the scene yeah, of all the things that Livia could not possibly be impressed with that's it yeah she's again Livia gives the I have no fucks to give kind of look and Livia just isn't listening and also Junior tries to call through and Tony's like I don't want to talk to Junior and he sounds really angry no I don't want to talk to him so then we go to the right and, and Tony has no idea about the second truck jacking at this point and him being killed no nope. because we go back to the soprano house and carmela asks tony if he's all right tony says thanks for the help he says he's gonna make some lunch the phone rings and it's christopher and he needs to talk to tony he says i need to talk to you from another line so tony goes and talks to another line and he basically tells him listen uh don't be mad but uh i thought brendan hit junior again uh and so Tony ends up driving to the warehouse where the truck is and Polly, Pussy and Silvio are all there. Tony's outside and uh, he's like, you boys, you boys, you boys. And we talked about this a little bit where Christopher is saying, well, I stayed home. And Tony gives him a big speech about how we're talking about leadership. You should have given him more of a, you know, you should have given him more advice, you know, made sure he didn't go. Filoni's like, Brendan's like, oh, well, it's the meth part of it's the crank and Christopher's like don't get us fucking killed shut up and Tony's smiling he's like this is some good stuff though and they ultimately we talked about this a lot earlier 
Tony decides to keep one of the racks of the suits for all of them and give the rest back to Junior. And the guy that's dead, uh, you can poke him with a stick, but I'm pretty sure you're fucked. <laughs> Let's jump in the chat for a second. Uh, Johnny says, fuck yeah, man. Oh, Tim says, The Sopranos, uh, you don't need to cover every episode. You're right. It's like Game of Thrones in its day. Well, it's kind of the reason Game of Thrones came around. Johnny Stark, Sir Phil of House Epic Beard, first of his name, watcher of the shows, breaker of opinions. Hell yeah, buddy. Dude, you're awesome. I think Rome was. Rome, great show. Great show that, that was before its time. Another HBO classic. Yeah, the only problem with Rome is it, in order for them to keep it, like it had, there was a certain amount of time when it was like, like it's a historical thing. So you can't it's do same, it forever. You, you can say the same thing about, out. there's a show that, uh, that, that I would recommend to you, Matt, because I know you like history. Uh, I would watch Vikings, which is uh, in the similar boat. It talks the story. It's on A and E or history. history. Or it's on the History Channel. It's it's okay. especially season one in the most recent season, season two. And Same sort of thing, fictional, but yes, yes, it's fictional, but, but romanticized version, so to speak, of of uh, of basis of some real events. It's more historic than the average show like that because it's actually on History Channel. But it's, but it's not like Rome. Like Rome, I actually learned Roman history it, because of watching. You Rome. learn a. I would say that not to get too far in the Vikings tangent. I would say. It forced me to research and learn more about the Viking Norse history than okay. I ever have before because it's enough. It's it treads around enough facts that makes you look it up in history books to go to wonder what the real stories are. Yeah. And okay. uh, and I think it does a decent job with that. And we we do recaps of that too. And we get a lot of people that are history buffs that say, "Oh, okay, this is pretty accurate." But X, Y, and Z happened. So so it, it's an interesting show to watch for that reason. But it, it ha if you like history, I I can't re recommend it enough. Ragnar is sick. Says uh says says uh worldwide horror. And Ragnar is our for our main character for for Vikings. So. Let's continue here as 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 the clock is ticking away. So Christopher asked Tony what what's what to do. Yeah, we already went through all that. So then we go back to the school and Mr. Miller finds his car has been returned. Mr. Miller states that his wife dropped off this morning and it was in the parking spot. AJ says, My dad did this. He's a he's a hero. And Mr. Miller notices that it's a different set of keys and different color when he opens the trunk and all those sorts of stuff. So everything was successful. Now But he but again, it, he also must already know. Tony is still that he must already know who Tony's who AJ's yeah, dad is. Yeah, and we we know that from later in school when one of the other teachers refers to him as, "Why wow, I'm gonna give Fredo Soprano a fucking uh, yeah. a, a break on a grade," and uh, and would you ask any questions in this situation if you were the person getting the car back? Would you would you even ask any questions or just accept accept the gift and rock and walk with your head down? I would I would accept the gift, but I would never like sleep okay at night because I'd be worried that like I'd be arrested. I like somehow the cops would get involved or someone else in the, or who knows where the hell the car came from. But. Yeah, absolutely. So then we get to therapy and I kind of already talked about this. I jumped the gun. Tony and talk, uh, they talk about, he had a panic attack. He went to his mother's house and sort of had a panic attack, cleaning up the stuff, looking at old pictures of her and, but didn't pass out. And he says, well, you didn't, she says you didn't pass out. It's an improvement. Tony, uh, she, she, oh, dang, 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 dang. Where, and we're almost to the end of the episode. We're, we're, we're almost I there. I thought we are well past it already. That, that's not that bad. That's not that bad. Wow, wow. I think we're, we're just getting to it. Because I started it right when we started the actual recap of it, you know, our, after our little intro. But let's finish it up so we're close enough to an hour. But not bad, right, Matt? No, we're, we're, no, no, we're bad. It's, it's better than I thought it was going to be. We're moving a lot quick. I, I, like I said to you last week, last week was a lot more, you know, just, just bullshitting and getting into the Sopranos. Now we'll try to stick, you know, stick to the plan stupid here for a while and get 
Sorry, so, sorry, Soprano stream. Polly Christopher's chemistry was the best. No, please. Like, like we say all the time with our streams. If you have Game of Thrones or Walking Dead or Ragnar stuff, just don't spoil stuff for people that haven't watched the shows. But by all means, reference out the ass. Because I can't help but make references. This is like, you can only talk Sopranos in the chat room, motherfuckers. Listen, motherfuckers. Don't you dare post anything about any fucking other shows. No, it's, it's fine. Please. please. Have, you, have you ever done like the, a whole podcast in that voice? You should sometime. Like a Halloween special of that. You think, Matt? Yes. <laughs> Maybe I will. So you cannot uh, forever my computer. I'm sorry your computer's being a fucking jerk. Let's let's all call Tim. Tim, your computer can eat a dick. Fucking, and not a good one either. Yeah. Like a smelly old one. Like so, Dick Barone. Like Dick Barone or Dick Buttkiss. <laughs> or, uh, sorry, it's, Joe and I went on a 20-minute uh, dick conversation the other night. I don't want to go there, too. So, uh, so, so, anyway, so we get this whole thing that Milfie thinks Livia's in good hands and she's in a bit good situation. Milfie notes that Tony must be bad, and Tony states none of this makes him feel better. He's he's really sad, but he's full of rage. Uh, Milfie states how hard is it to admit that Tony might have feelings of hatred towards his mother, and Tony says I love Livia, and and he's like no, you don't get you're you're not getting me right. I know you love her, but it doesn't mean you can't love someone and hate them at the same time. Do you agree with that sentiment? Can you love and hate someone at the same time? Oh, of course you can. I mean, there's people that you can hate without ever loving, but there's a lot of people that you can love that you can hate only because you have to, you can't, because you care that much about them. Otherwise, it's not worth it a lot of times. You just blow someone off. I could name a thousand people that you and I have known for years that like, I could never really hate because I would just blow them off and not care. They're not that important to me. But there's people that I love to death that can make me hate them. Right. A lot of times. Absolutely. And no, not eat a dick, Tim. Eat a dick, Tim's computer. Computer. And Johnny Stark says, oh, cool. In that case, I'm glad Tyrion became king and Daenerys in invented tampons. Genius. <laughs> Forget about it, says Duke Chronic. Joining other Soprano cast. I uh, love you guys. Thank you so much. So, okay. So, anyways, Tony. So, Tony flips out on, on Milfi at that point. And this is the first time he really flips out on her. And the first time she seems a little scared by him. Yeah. But I guess she's probably a little also turned on by him, as we find out later in this moment. She's basically on and off being slightly turned on by him up until the point where she feels like her life's at risk. So at the bottom big, Tony sits down to have a drink. Georgie picks up the phone and dials the number. Georgie states he's still having trouble and notes that it's saying he needs to push two for the party's extension. I don't know the party's extension. And he just keeps going. And I have to say, we talked a lot in the first episode about how good the Sopranos, Sopranos music eventually becomes and how much of a character onto itself the music becomes in the show. This, to me, is the first moment, besides the theme, that really does that. I remember, you were talking about remembering that scene with Polly. This was another scene that I remembered so well that I thought must have happened later because it's it's also repeated a lot, scenes like yeah. this. I think there's two other scenes like this with, with Tony and Georgie. But... The music, bum my motherfucking knees, yep. on, come on, come on, blah, 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 the piece. That song was like embedded into my brain, and when that came on, I'm like, oh my god, I know what's about to happen now. Like I, like I just knew it. It just, it just hit home for me. And we get this amazing soundtrack in this moment with the strippers all doing their right. It's perfect stripper music too. Yep, and uh, 
Hate is a strong emotion, as strong as love. Fuck, I sound like a Jedi. You're, but you're right, Johnny. Hate is as strong of emotion as love. And sometimes, in some ways, it can be wrapped up, especially when you're dealing with your mothers and dealing with family and members. And you're Italian and there's guilt and you're Catholic and there's Catholic guilt and all this stuff about feeling certain ways towards your mother. And, you know, at the same time, he's trying to be a dutiful son. And Tom says, you can't truly hate someone without loving them first. And that's what Matt was saying and, and hinting at earlier that that there's some people that you can't if someone's just an asshole. No, there are a couple of people I actually do hate that never loved. But overall, the people you really because you just blow those people off. if You don't have to see them all. The right. Time. And I guess I guess you're right about that. But I'm, I'm thinking that like it's more I would I would characterize it more of like people that I just simply want no part of and are dead to me, so to speak. Right. Right. But there's also people you work with that you can't avoid. Those right. are the people I'm, right. I think Absolutely. People I've worked with. Absolutely. When I used to do uh, performing for kids and go to like, go to daycares or camps or whatever, I'd occasionally bump into like a director that I just knew I wouldn't get along with. Yeah. And I had to pretend. Yeah, but the difference is you don't have nice. to see them all the time. I, I'm talking about like I, there's people I've worked with and I shouldn't say this. No, I'm, I love everyone. At, at, no, you uh, love everyone that you ever worked. Yeah. D Matt, you love everyone everywhere, every how on this podcast <laughs> that, that you worked with. So, so anyways. Except for Jenna Soprano. I can't stand Jenna Soprano. We're, oh, okay, we're going to get the Jenna's is your no, car no, I'm sorry. It's too early for that. I shouldn't get that worked up because she's going to no, get me. It is worth mentioning, though, and something I skipped over. Oh, Mil she mentions it. You're right. Milfie does ask him at one point in the episode about his sisters, and he says, my sisters have already wiped their hands with her. And he, so he already implies that he has two two sisters. So, okay, so let's just get the end of this episode. Tony freaks out to the music, to the strippers, perfect balance, perfect Perfect bomb, bomb, bada dum bomb, and he just bashes the shit out of. But no, this is where I confuse it with future scenes. In this one, he just grabs the phone and goes bang, 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 and just and Georgie just falls. And Georgie's not scarred from this one. For no, life. or loses an eye or something. Right. And and then we get Tony doing that very familiar visual of Tony where he where he's like part animal, part human, and having like going up to the camera. Sorry for the close up guys and goes. As it like as the shadows kind of build up in front of him and stuff, and it just you really welcome to the world of Tony Soprano, and it's like bam, you are in. Welcome to the fucking Sopranos, and that's the end of episode two. So much better than the so much better than the pilot. Oh, it just feels everyone feels right. The whole thing feels right. Absolutely, Let's, and so little AJ and Meadow. So oh, beautiful, so, nice. so beautiful. Let's jump a couple more comments before we go. Duke Cronin, they did have good music in the Sopranos. Johnny Stark says, "Well said. It was well wrote in the shade of gray portrayal, portraying emotions in realistic circumstances most can relate to." And I think that's what's so good. And when Matt and I often talk about, and I would include Game of Thrones in there, just be. But I know Matt's not a you know hasn't watched Game of Thrones yet, so he's not in, in on that same heart level. But that's what I love about Breaking Bad as well, and is that Walter eventually does become evil in the sense that Tony becomes truly evil at the end of all of this, or truly embracing that dark side. But both shows exceptionally well at looking at that gray area. And same with Deep Space Nine, uh, a Star Trek series that I love so much. What I love about Deep Space Nine more than I love about any other Star Trek series and why I consider it in the same breath as The Sopranos, uh, The Wire, The uh, Breaking Bad, it's because any show that doesn't just show you the good guys and the bad guys, when there's actually a gray area, and The Sopranos does that as well as any you other show. You can't name a bad guy in The Sopranos, or a good guy for that matter. There is no such thing. But I mean, as you, absolutely, and uh, uh, good guy. Well, Ralphie kind of they portray him that way. Yeah, but, but even him, he has that relationship with his son. 
that he's like really cares. I know what happens to his son, but he really cares about yeah. his son. And I mean, I'm trying even, to think. Even Richie, you know, there's a part of him that's kind of right that like, what? I'm Jackie's older brother. Who the hell are you yeah. to be in charge? You almost get where he comes from. I'm he trying to think if we. Re it's a good question though. If we have any truly good people on The Sopranos, not even the father who almost hooks up with Carmela at one point in time. Uh, I mean, and who's uh, who manipulates women for free food? It's or Artie maybe, but. No, because Artie, Artie's wife. Yeah, but she's such a bitch. She really is. <laughs> I know she really is. She really is. <laughs> Let's jump good in. In what sense? Like good is like morally can say that they were never corrupted by what happened. <laughs> maybe, yeah. Maybe, maybe. I, I mean, I would say maybe Adriana is somewhat innocent in her sense. Like she's an innocent doe-eyed. She's like very, very. She doesn't realize the stuff in the same way that like she's not complicit in the same way Carmel is complicit. Yeah. But she knows what she's getting into. Too. You're right. You're right. I just, I'm just so, I'm just, I just love her. Anyways, let's jump in the chat a little bit before we call it a day. Mick Dicker says when they play that cake song, Frank Sinatra for Christopher, when he buys all those newspapers, because he, yeah, because it was one of my favorite soprano moments too, when he sees his name in the newspaper and they play the song and just kicks in, they really know. And I think especially at the end of an episode, there's no better show at, for that. Like, Going going away song is the Sopranos. Sons of Anarchy does it really well too when it hits hits a home run with the. Uh, My favorite one of the Sopranos. I don't want to ruin this yet, but oh, it's whatever. When 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 Christopher's in the hospital, and uh, when when they think he's gonna die, and they're playing this weird Otis Redding song. It's My Lover's Prayer, and it's just it's it's one of the coolest. Oh, scenes. Oh yeah, and such so sad with when the way Adriana breaks down Adriana on that scene. Breaks down, yeah, Great. and it's shot perfectly, and Great. the music and amazing is the acting, yeah. Amazing, excuse me, amazing acting by her in that moment too. So let's jump a couple more chats and then we'll call it a day, Tom. Tony is a dick, the biggest dick. Like I like I, I said it earlier, he is a, he's this side of 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 uh, Woody Woodpecker, uh, Bugs Bunny to the to way he fucks with people. He really likes to fuck with people more than almost anything. Tony just yeah, but imagine if Tony's not in that role. Whoever is is whoever is. I don't mean. I mean actually in the role in the mafia. The person who's in there instead of him could be so much worse. Tony is very measured and. No, I agree with you. And essentially, you look at what happens with New York later on with Philly or Tardo, and we'll right. we'll get all into that later. Uh, no, no, we're, yeah, we're, we're jumping way ahead. We're on episode freaking two here. Right now, we could exactly, six but but that's five. what's good, and that's what's a little different about what we're doing with the Sopranos rather than what Joe and I do with the Game of Thrones, where right. we're we're kind of talking about it as it goes, as if it's the first time. And Sopranos is just something; it's hard not to look at the overall and how it all has a effect in the entire story arc for now because it's been so long, and it's something that's almost out of the consciousness a little bit. So. So it's just interesting. I want to. I want to. I hopefully a couple people will be checking out these and will be inspired to check out the Sopranos for for themselves uh, again or or for the first time. So everybody, like just Polly Walnuts, like watch the show for that alone. You know. <laughs> so Matt, uh, till uh, till next Wednesday, my friend. Let me play. Let me kick in the. So we're doing. We're going next Wednesday then. Next Wednesday is that is that good for you? Is every is everyone is uh will it I mean, is but if right, you know what if it's gonna be Wednesdays let's not if we're gonna if we have to commit to a time I have to stay at work to like three thirties on like half of the Wednesdays so let's say like four thirty not before four thirty again we'll okay. be more like between four thirty and five okay four thirty and five generally on Tuesday on Wednesdays okay so so let me let me just I have to open something up Matt excuse me let me uh let me open this file up one second before we call it a day because somehow that closed out so everybody. 
Thank you so much. And yeah, we'll try to stick to that, stick to that general time. And I will, you know, I usually post all the events at as early in the week as I can. And I will try to post this event relatively early. So it's there and waiting. And if anything changes, I can just change the start time on it as well. So guys, whoa. Thank you so much for joining us for this Sopranos recap. Thank you to Tom, Johnny motherfucking Stark, Tom, Tim, McDicker. You love you love saying I dick. love McDicker. I love McDicker. You're great. And also Lola. Thank you guys so much for joining us live today. It was so great to talk about The Sopranos with you guys. And thank you so much to Matt. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can follow me at I Get Issues, man. You can follow Matt at Big Daddy Matt on Google+. You can also email me anytime you want at I Got Issues, man, at gmail.com. Any questions you have for episode three, if you're already ready and you have stuff you want us to talk about on the recap, if you're listening to this podcast in the audio form on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening to this on your audio capture devices, you can find out how to subscribe to our audio cast in the description box below. Uh, you can, we will be back every Wednesday, or at least essentially every Wednesday to talk about another episode of The Sopranos. Sorry about your ears. Sorry about the music kicking in. That was way too loud. <laughs> I should do a warning in the video. Be prepared for loud music. Goodbye, everybody. Have a good night. Oh, remember last week you did, I think it was hashtag no fucking ZD, right? Oh, yes, yeah, hashtag This no week, nah, hashtag Buffalo Mutarell. Okay. Buff, Buff Maws. Buff Maws. Buff Maws. It's, it's, it's yeah, shorter. Yeah, who the hell knows how to spell Mutarell? Yeah, no one's going to do it. We'll, we'll get motherfucking lots of stuff. So if you have any comments <laughs> on, uh, on Twitter, hashtag Buff Maws. That's so stupid. I know, it is. it is. It is. It is. It's ridiculous. Anyways, goodbye, everybody. See you, Matt and Phil. Sorry about the uh, your ears, Tom. You signed a contract when hooking up in this podcast that we will not be responsible for destroying one's ears. <laughs> goodbye, everybody.